Good everyone. Uh, that's not a sermon prop. I've just been a bit sick this week, and so it's a drink uh, in case I need to recover my voice. Uh, so forgive me if I'm a little bit huskier today than normal, uh, but let's pray as we come to hear God speak. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word uh, that you would speak to us. Um, we are thankful for your, uh, the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand, uh, receive your word, and Lord, be obedient to it. And we pray, Lord, you would do that great work in us today as we hear you speak. Uh, turn us from uh, sin and from vain things uh, to worship you and to love you and to serve you with all our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's start with a question. Uh, is the church growing or declining? <clears throat> is the church growing or declining? Now, we hear stories in the media about the decline of the church. You might hear these occasionally. Uh, churches are closing doors because of lack of people and lack of funds. Um, the congregations are ageing. There's less young people joining the church. Uh, the last census, you might remember, had more people ticking no religion uh, than ever before uh, and less ticking uh, Christianity in those categories. And so is the church growing or declining? Acts, the book of Acts, is all about church growth, isn't it? Uh, we heard today in Peter's sermon, 3,000 believed, added to the number uh, after that sermon. That's growth. And it continues through Acts, right? Now, have a look at all these, these verses of growth, if you can see them, or just listen. 247, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 4-4, the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. 942, many people believed in the Lord. 1121, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And 16.5, the churches grew daily in numbers. And that's just a sample of the growth of the church that we see through Acts. And so what were they doing to see such growth? Did they have great strategy and vision and goal setting? Did they have just a really strong children's and youth ministry? Did they have these fantastic evangelistic events that brought lots of people in? Or was it just great coffee that the apostles were making at the time? Well, no, no, there was none of that. Their secret was they were speaking the word of God. Uh, if you read through Acts, a great book to read through, fantastic read. The hero is the word of God. It is the word of God that spreads and multiplies and just cannot be stopped. Like some kind of global pandemic we're reading about in Acts, as the word of God spreads. And so three questions for us today as we're looking at this part of, of Acts is, uh, first of all, what is the word of God? And we'll see that next too in Peter's sermon. Then we'll think about how does the word of God then spread as we'll look through the rest of Acts very quickly. And how does the church grow today as the final question. Look at that great chapter, Acts 29. Now, remember, uh, Acts is written by Luke. So Luke wrote the Gospel, book one, and then Acts, book two. Uh, book one was all, all about Jesus began to do and teach. Everything Jesus began to do and teach and so book two, Acts, is about all Jesus continued to do and teach. But of course, he's not physically present. He has ascended to heaven. Uh, but he sends his Holy Spirit. He sends his spirit upon his disciples whom he sends speaking his word. 
And so Roger gave us that great, uh, longer and more accurate title of Acts last week, uh, which was the, the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus by His Spirit, through His Apostles, proclaiming the Word of God. It's more accurate, but we just call it Acts, um, just for simplicity's sake. And so last week we did see Jesus ascend and send the Holy Spirit uh, upon his disciples. And this week we see Jesus send his disciples, uh, his spirit-filled messengers now, speaking the word of God. And so we're going to pick up the action as Peter is preaching the very first Christian sermon. And it is here that we see what the word of God is. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 2 would be great to have open. We'll be referring to that as we go. And so what is the Word of God? Well, the, the Word of God we're talking about here is, um, we're not talking about the Bible as a whole. We, we do call the Bible the Word of God. But what we're talking about is a more specific Word of God. Like if you could s sort of squeeze and wring out the Bible, uh, what would drip out? Right? And that is what we're talking about today. That is the Word of God we're talking about, which is what we might call the Gospel. Okay, that, that is the specific Word of God we're talking about. And you can summarise uh, the Word of God in the Gospel in four parts. Okay, God, sin, Christ, response. Uh, and that's, we see all those things in Peter's sermon here as we're going to go through. And so first of all, uh, we see God. Peter mentions God nine times in this little section that we read. Uh, it is clear he's a big part of the gospel. And so have a look, we'll just go through them all just really quickly. Verse 22, Peter says, Jesus was accredited by God through signs, which God did among you through him. Verse 23, Jesus died according to God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Verse 24, but God raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 30, God promised David... He would place a descendant on his throne. Verse 32, God raised Jesus to life. Verse 33, Jesus had been exalted to the right hand of God. Verse 36, God has made Jesus both Lord and Messiah. And verse 39, God calls people to salvation. So clearly, it's a message about God. And two things to notice. The first one is that the God that Peter is talking about is the God of the Old Testament. Okay, the people listening would have known that. He's talking about the one true God, uh, the creator of all things, the one who is sovereign over all things and sustains all things, uh, who gives life and breath to all things. Uh, and more specifically, the God who spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and chose his people Israel, right? That is the God he is talking about. And the second thing to notice is that this God has acted very recently in the events of Jesus. Okay, God has done things among you through Jesus, Peter says, right? Through his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension, it's, it's the work of God, right? God is fulfilling the promises he made in the Old Testament through Jesus among you to save his people and to bring judgment upon his enemies just like he promised right and so peter's really saying that something huge is happening here this is massive this is apocalyptic this is the beginning of the end of the world that we're seeing here god's salvation and judgment has come in jesus christ so so peter begins with god 
And then number two, part two of the gospel is sin. And so if you want to define sin, it's basically it's a rejection of God as God. Right? It's putting yourself in the place of God to live life your own way without reference to him. That's what sin is. And although Peter, he doesn't, he doesn't mention sin specifically in his sermon here, uh, the reality of sin is there. It's the whole background and context of everything that he's saying is that sin is present. Because Peter is actually talking to people who recently put Jesus to death. Right? God sent Jesus, they put Jesus to death. The greatest expression of sin that the world has ever seen. You want to see a rejection of God? Look at what people did to Jesus, nailing him to a cross. So verse 23, Peter makes it pretty explicit in that point. Verse 23, uh, this man, talking about Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you, Peter's saying that you, the people that I'm talking to, you, with the help of wicked men, talking about the Romans and others involved, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And so notice that those two things there, the, the sovereignty of God over Jesus' death, it was God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, but God's sovereignty doesn't remove the responsibility of the people and what they did, because straight away he says that you put him to death. And so Peter lays the blame for Jesus' death at the feet of the people who killed him, literally saying, you fixed him to the cross. And so that is... That is their sin, that is their rejection of God and what he's doing through Jesus. And so what, what do they deserve from God for their sin? What do they deserve? They, they don't deserve uh, his, his love and welcome, they deserve death. They deserve the punishment of God in eternal death. And so, so far, this, this message from Peter is actually quite bad news, isn't it? Uh, but there is good news coming in part three, or the beginning of the good news uh, as we look at Christ. Now, Christ, of course, is not the last name of Jesus. It wasn't that, you know, Joseph Christ and Mary Christ had Jesus Christ. Okay, it was his title. Uh, it, it, is, it, is, it means king. It's the same word as Messiah, might be Messiah. Uh, it, it's talking about a king, not just any king, but God's promised king. Now, Peter, he wants to say that Jesus is this promised king. And so he goes to Psalm 16, in this case, to prove it, to prove Jesus is the king. And so Psalm 16, we read it as well. Uh, in Psalm 16, David is talking about the resurrection of God's Messiah. Uh, but Peter points out, well, David, he can't be talking about himself because we can say with confidence that David died and he was buried and his tomb is still with us today. It has, it has bones in it, basically. He's still there. He, he hasn't been resurrected. And so David must be talking about somebody else, a Messiah to come. And that Messiah is Jesus, because his tomb is empty. Okay? Uh, the disciples are witnesses to the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. There's no, more, there's no bones in his tomb. They saw Jesus. We read that in the end of Luke's gospel. They, they, they ate with Jesus. He ate fish with them. Right? They, they saw him alive and resurrected. And so, and so Peter then concludes his sermon in verse 36 in this way. 
He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Be sure of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so it's still probably not sounding like good news to the people there, is it? Those people who are listening, because they killed Jesus, and the very same Jesus has been raised by God and is now Lord over all. It's kind of like if you, uh, if you were that, that person who bullied a kid at school and then one day that kid becomes your boss. Okay, that's, that wouldn't be a good situation for you. And, and that's kind of how they're feeling. And so we, we read in verse 37, when they understand this, what happens? They are cut to the heart. Now this is what the Holy Spirit does when the gospel is preached. He convicts people of their sin. He convicts people of the righteousness of Christ that they have rejected. Uh, he convicts people of the judgment of God that they deserve. And they are cut to the heart. And so that then leads us to the final part of the gospel, which is response. Because immediately they ask, when they are cut to the heart, they ask, what shall we do? They ask Peter and the disciples, what shall we do? How can we fix this situation? How can we get out of this bad Situation. So Peter has an answer for them. It's both a challenge and a promise. Verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the challenge there to them is to repent. Repent of your sin, change your mind, turn to Jesus, and be, and be baptised, which is to show that repentance in, in an outward sign. So show the reality of that inward repentance that has come upon you to turn from sin to Christ. Uh, show that outwardly in baptism. That's the challenge. And then the promise that comes with that is that you will be forgiven and given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think we realise how amazing this is because we are those people who might be familiar with it and, and hear it uh, often. But what's happening here is, is that those people who killed Jesus and deserved his condemnation are now forgiven and welcomed into his very kingdom. Right, that is amazing grace. That is amazing grace that God would do that. And so they did. They did repent, they did believe, and so the church grew that day, verse 41, 3,000 were added to their number. Wouldn't it be great, you could preach one sermon and just 3,000 people join the church, it'd be fantastic. Build a new building, do, do lots of things. But, but how did it happen? How did it happen? A spirit-filled messenger spoke the word of God. Spirit-filled messenger spoke the word of God, message about God, about sin, about Christ and response to him. Now that was a good start, of course, uh, but we see that Jesus actually had bigger plans for the growth of his church and the spread of the gospel. Uh, we read that last week in Acts 1.8. Let's have a look. Here's Jesus' plans. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So big global gospel spread is coming, but how did it happen? 
So next question, how did the word of God spread? Let's take a drink break, everybody. You got a drink there? <clears throat> Excellent. Now, how did the word of God spread? Well, it, it spread in the same way it started. Jesus sent spirit-filled messengers to speak the word of God. That's how it spread. It was like, it was like a virus, but a good virus. I couldn't find a word for a good virus. If anyone's got one, they can tell me later. Uh, do you remember seeing these pictures when COVID sort of started kicking off and like, this is how the, 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 the virus is going to spread? This is kind of how the gospel spreads as well, like this. Uh, it's like this, this chart, right? So, so what happens is Jesus sends his spirit-filled messengers to speak his word, and then people hear that message and they receive it, and then they become the people who go with the word to speak it to others, and then others receive it, and then they become the ones that take the word and they receive it. And so it just, it just spreads like that, like this global pandemic, and you just you cannot stop it. There's no vaccination for this. It just keeps going. And this is what we see in Acts, right? So those places, Judea, Samaria, and, and the ends of the earth, eventually the disciples have to leave Jerusalem because they're persecuted, which sounds bad. But when they, when they get scattered out of Jerusalem, they go taking the word of God. And so one example we read, uh, Philip, he goes off and he proclaims the Messiah. He proclaims Jesus and many accepted the word of God and received the Holy Spirit. And so that there's more believers. Uh, and then later we read that God sends Peter to Cornelius. He's a Gentile. So it's like he's sending Peter to the ends of the earth, like to those far away from God, the Gentiles. And we read when Peter is speaking to them in uh, Acts chapter 10, this is what happens. <clears throat> While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised, the Jews, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And so now we have Gentile believers as well as part of the church. And so, you know, if Peter was the guy who kind of cracked the wall of Gentile conversions, then Paul just completely demolished it. Paul came along and he took the gospel to the ends of of the earth as they were known then. And how did Paul do it? Well, Paul did it speaking the word of God. Here's an example of Paul in chapter 19 as we keep going. Uh, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Uh, and the gospel, the word of God, is about the kingdom of God. And what happened in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I don't know if you feel this, but every time I read through Acts, uh, I, kind of, I kind of get a little bit, I feel let down by the end a little bit. Do you feel that way when you read through Acts? Because it, it really, it's all action and power and conversions and it just really just starts to slow down uh, toward the end until finally it ends with Paul sitting in prison by himself. And it's kind of sad and it feels a bit gloomy. But I think what Luke wants us to see is that it's not a sad ending to Acts, it's an ending full of hope. Because read what happens in the last verse of Acts. Right, uh, Paul is sitting in prison, but there he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Exclamation point. 
Right, so the, the end of Acts is actually full of hope. The hope is that the word of God is going to continue to spread and multiply and grow. Right, but that's where Acts ends. And so the, the challenge is really for the reader to continue that growth of the word of God. And so it's really for the church now to write the next chapter of Acts. And so we come to Acts 29 and we think about how does the church grow today? Of course, Acts 29, it's not a chapter of the Bible, guys, just in case someone's listening. It's, it's, it's a metaphor for us in our time. And so how does the church grow today? Well, <clears throat> hopefully you know the answer. Uh, the church grows today the same way it did back then, as God sends his spirit-filled messengers to speak his word. I just want to think about the, the church. Is the church growing or declining today? I just want to think about that for a minute. If the church is declining, uh, it's only really declining in the western part of the world, in America, in Canada, in, in you know Europe and Australia. But it's a different story in other parts of the world. Pardon me. <coughs> That's better. Uh, different story in other parts of the world. South Africa, South America, Asia. The gospel is exploding there uh, in the amount of people coming to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 50 years ago, there was 500 million Christians in those areas. But, but in the very near future, uh, it's, it's four times that amount. It's going, to be, it's going to be two billion Christians living in those areas. There's more Christians living in those areas than there is in the West now. And even when we sort of think maybe the church is declining in the West, I think that's a little bit misleading as well because the true reality of the church is that it, it never declines, right? Because the reality is that once God brings people into his church, they don't leave. Like there's no back door to the church, right? Once, once you hear the message and you are born again of the Spirit, you belong to Jesus. Those who come to him, he will never cast out. Right? So you cannot leave, even if you wanted to, but we don't want to. We want to stay. But, but the true church in Christ, it only ever increases, it never decreases. The true church. Now, on the other hand, there is a thing that we would call the visible church, which is just the gatherings that we have on, on a Sunday all around the world. Um, that church may decline. You know, as people uh, might leave that church, uh, that church even might sort of decline in the sense that it's just a smaller part of the population. They might say decline in that way. But, but it never really declines in reality. Right? The true church of those uh, gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ only ever increases. It never decreases. And it's going to keep growing as people hear the word of God and believe. <clears throat> so just three quick applications as we finish, as we think about these things. Three applications for us as we write this last chapter of Acts. The first one is to receive the word of God. I know many here have already done that. Many people here have believed and are part of that number. But maybe some are not. And as you hear the word of God today, today is an opportunity for you to receive that word. As you hear the word about God and sin and Christ and response, maybe you are someone who is cut to the heart, convicted by the Holy Spirit. Right? And now is a time to repent and believe the good news, 
that Jesus takes away your sin, that he offers you forgiveness and eternal life, the gift of the Spirit. Receive the word of God. Become a part of that number of believers. And then secondly, if you are someone who has received the word of God, then speak the word of God. Right? We also call this evangelism, sharing the good news about Jesus with others. And I know that's hard and some people sort of feel afraid of that. But listen, I want, I want you to know, uh, maybe you think you can't do it. I want, I, want to, I want to say just stop that. Stop thinking that way. You can do it. You can tell someone else about Jesus. Um, I, was, I was at the Easter show a couple of weeks ago now and, uh, of course, my daughter Zoe wanted some nuggets for dinner. Okay, just always wants nuggets. We couldn't find any nuggets anywhere. We couldn't find chicken nuggets. And so we're looking around everywhere, and finally we see a guy, you know, with a little, little daughter carrying some nuggets. And so we run up to him and say, hey, where did you get those nuggets? Right? And he just told us. He said, oh, you know, just over there. And so we went and we got the nuggets. Right? Now, now you, if you are a Christian believer, you are carrying nuggets of salvation. Okay, sorry for the corniness, but maybe you'll get the point, which is that if you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you know where to find that salvation. You can point someone else over there. You can say, well, this, this is how I was saved through hearing this word, and you can be saved the same way. So you know already how someone can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do evangelism. If you're someone who's received the word, you are someone who can speak the word to others, you can invite them to that. Right, some of the ways to do that, invite people to church. Uh, invite people to Christianity Explored. Uh, grab a book from over there. Give them a great book. Give them a podcast. There's so many ways you can invite people to come hear the word of God and be saved. And then finally, uh, and this is the thing to take away, which is we should be people who trust the word of God uh, as, as we look at our world today, we should, we should know this, that God is still working. Right? Jesus is still on mission to seek and save the lost, working by the Spirit through his people. Right? He, he is growing his church. It, it will continue to grow and increase, and the word of God will prevail. And, and that will not stop until the gospel has been proclaimed to all nations and to the end of the earth and the full number of believers has come in uh, and then the end will come. Then Jesus will return uh, and we will be with him forever in glory. Uh, trust the word of God. Trust that he is doing that and he will do that. And I just want to leave us finally uh, on this note of trust with Paul's words to Timothy uh, we left Paul in prison in Rome. He was chained up. But he was someone who trusted the word of God. Uh, he trusted that the word of God was not chained. And this trust that Paul had in the word of God just transformed his life. And, and I pray that that would be the same for us. It would transform our lives as well. So listen to these words from Paul to Timothy as he sits in prison. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we are so thankful uh, for your word, uh, that your word has spread uh, even to us, and we have been able to hear it uh, and to believe and to be counted among those uh, who have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and are part of your church. And Father, we pray that as those who have received your word, that will be those who speak your word, uh, give us courage and boldness to do that and to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation through faith in him. And Father, I pray also help us to trust you, uh, that you will continue to grow your church and we pray, Lord, that you will do that. Uh, continue to bring your people in. And Lord, we pray you would do this until the Lord Jesus comes again. Help us to trust your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.